When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Now stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Welcome in Daily Vikings Entertainment without a producer or a pilot today. There's going to be some who's, turbulence. Who's in charge? We, we we, we've run out of uh, beverages and snacks on the plane. This sucks. I hate this. Well, flight. actually, we, we have one beverage on the plane. It's just Surly Furious. That's what we have. Oh, well, then we're fine. Oh, well, why, why didn't you say that? Yeah, come on, everyone. And come come one, come all, Surly. We got Furious. You know what? No, no, no. I just found some Logic Bomb. I found some Before I, I Dies, which, of course, is the beer of choice if you are uh, uh, tuned in to the Purple Game. As we were last week at our uh, watch party at, at uh, first round in Mall of America, Surly, the weekend is coming, and I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing better than being on your couch watching some college football or pro football with a Surly in one hand and the remote in the other. Make yes. it a Surly weekend by stopping at your local liquor store and picking up some, and then you can spend the weekend watching football and sipping on Surly's. Amen. The show is also presented by our friends at TCL. Uh, TCL is one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Thank you for supporting our partners here. You help power this show on a daily basis. We have the best audience ever. We met a bunch of you at the uh, Surly Purple Daily Viewing Party on Sunday, uh, so just it's just been a, a great season, and we've had so much fun meeting many of you at these events. Uh, this is a state of the offense Thursday here. By the way, people wondering where's Declan? Did you guys fire Declan? It's over. Uh, yes, no, we did not. Declan I is. I make him changes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Score North well, is now two it people. It has happened before. Score North <laughs> is now two people. What's that? <laughs> and now it's one. <laughs> Sorry, it's just me. <laughs> Purple Daily with Phil Mackey. Um, so yeah, Declan's actually speaking to some aspiring journalism, well, not aspiring journalism students, they are journalism students, they're aspiring to be professionals in the field of journalism, and so Declan's going to go show them how to create clickbait on Twitter, and, uh, you know, I don't know, give hot takes on Mondays or something. He'll, he'll badmouth Kirk, tomorrow. there's no question about it, typical Declan, typical score North, he'll badmouth yep. Kirk Cousins. So, uh, we've got the state of the offense categories here. Every single Thursday, we do a deep dive into what the Vikings offense looks like. So we'll start with the overall snapshot of where they sit in some key all-encompassing categories. And then I'll give you the four uh, sort of subcategories of interest here. And I will debut a new segment with you that I think we should start doing every week going forward. We'll spring that on you later on here. You don't even know what it is. I, I, I don't. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So let's start with just the overall snapshot of the Vikings offense. They've actually, despite scoring less than their season average against the Commanders, they moved up from ninth to eighth in points per game this season. So I'd have to go kind of through and see. There, there must have been some teams that were above them that had clunkers. Maybe the Packers were above them. I, I really don't have it in front of me right now. But they are eighth in the NFL in scoring offense. That's, you know what? If, if you had told me that they were just going to be eighth through, what, eight games, I'd say, Okay, like I'd like them top five, but eight, but I think top ten is mandatory. Um, scoring is down, so I, I think it changes a little bit uh, because of that fact. But if you had said back in training camp that this team was going to be a top ten scoring team halfway through, I still wouldn't put them on seven and one, Phil. 
But I would say, you know what? That's sufficient. Yes. For a uh, new system. Way, That's I was wrong about the, the, the Packers being the team. I was wrong about that. The Packers are 27th. They're averaging 17 points per game only. Vikings are at 24 yeah. points a game just behind the Browns. Oh, no. What? Oh, poor Packers. Oh. Oh, poor Packers. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just, I'm so heartbroken for them. It's so difficult. Sadness. The Packers are scoring fewer points per game than the Panthers this season. Let that sink in for a second. And the Bears. Oh, play the Packers. The Bears are scoring. Play, play the Packer theme then, can you please? Sure. You're out of control. Score, Pack, score. Uh, Chiefs are the highest scoring offense in the NFL at 30 and a half points per game. Vikings at 24. And then there's a few teams between them, including the Seahawks, by the way. Chiefs, Eagles, Bills are the three highest scoring teams in the NFL. It's no coincidence those are also the three best teams largely. So if the Vikings want to get on that level, they do probably have to start scoring a little bit more, but they're at least in the top 10. Uh, Yards per play, 17th. Expected points added, 15th. And DVOA from Football Outsiders, which is sort of you know contextual yardage, 16th. So some of the yardage metrics tell you they're like league average, but the actual scoring, they are 8th, which is really what matters at the end of the day. Uh, and, and the yardage thing to me, I'm a little bit torn on because like I think we get way too hung up in the fact that that both offensively and defense is the metric. Like they are 17th in the National Football League in offense. Tell me what what you're scoring. Like that's what I want. So I don't get unless you're just atrocious in yeah. yards. I don't get I don't get nearly as caught up because a lot of that can again be completely hollow statistics. Uh, so yeah, if you're top ten in scoring, I, I'm much more uh, into that than oh man, top ten in in yardage, but you're 18th in scoring or something like that. Yeah, I think what some of these, like like the yards per play and EPA, expected points added, things like that, I think it's it's kind of predictive. It, it's it's saying, hey, you're eighth in scoring, that's great, but your your process is more that of a league average team, unless you think you're just like great in the margins, that you're just going to be continue to be great in the red zone. You're going to continue to yeah be great Amen. situationally, but this team is really good in a lot of situational things so um yeah i i guess i i do believe that they are a a top 10 offense in this league with some more room to to grow Uh, all right let's get into the categories here so we have four categories on this state of the offense and we'll start with category number one which is it is the state of hawk TJ Hawkinson in his Vikings debut had the second most catches in a game of his career on Sunday, nine catches in that game against the commanders. He's currently the sixth highest graded pass catching tight end. According to pro football focus, Travis Kelsey's number one, Mark Andrews is like third. So Mm -hmm. there's some, there's some dudes in there. He's the sixth highest graded pass catching tight end. He's fourth in receiving yards among tight ends. He's number one in yards per catch among tight ends and number two in yak, yakety yak per catch among tight ends. Great tight end stat. He's a yak master. Only Dallas Goddard is averaging more yak among tight ends. So a lot of different metrics pointing toward TJ Hawkinson just being straight up one of the five best tight end pass catchers in the league so far this year. I'm not putting him on a Travis Kelsey level or anything like that yet, but some really good numbers here, and the Vikings just have him on their team now, apparently. Okay. And when you step in to your first game, your first game in season, nine targets, nine catches, that's really, I mean, and not nine catches of, oh, yeah, that was nice. Nine nine catches that really turned the game and changed it. Yes. Um, and you know what else, too? And and this is a credit to Quasi and O'Connell. They went out and got a guy in in. Hawkinson, who they knew would fit Kirk. I mean, this is the prototypical guy Kirk wants to throw to, and that's fine. That's great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and and it now exploits, and this is this is go- going to be the key thing. And O'Connell discussed this, I think, on Monday or Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. Um, so if you are going to stop Jefferson, right? Too high, too high shell. You're going too high 
Yeah. And you are going to stop Jefferson. Football. You're going to take away that, that threat. Guess what? The same room exists that was exploited against the Vikings when I thought that they were struggling a bit more, right? For intermediate passes that can't be covered. Mm-hmm. Or they can be by a by a linebacker, but Hawkinson's really good. So, like, this is a matchup problem now that, that I think the Vikings hoped Irv Smith would create. He clearly didn't. He's hurt now. But so the Vikings have eight games in now. They've got a guy who creates a matchup problem that simply six weeks in didn't exist really. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I continue to be just fascinated by him catching nine passes and playing all but six snaps four days after he was traded for. So I don't know if he just didn't sleep all week. He just stayed up all night studying the playbook or they did a great job game planning for him. According to a story that Seifert wrote, I think he recorded the plays into his phone and would listen back to to him. Like he's he's uh or looks like an I- Iowa farm kid, but I mean he clearly is football savvy. So like he did all of this work and worked with the the backup quarterbacks and the tight ends coach. So like I mean that guy was prepared. Wait, on so four like, days he had audio of the verbiage of the play calls yeah he 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 must have put them into his phone he must have read them into his phone and then listened back to to him but i mean if you articulate him it's going to help you too or did he have kirk do it hey kirk can you just uh can you just say these 53 plays into into my phone here real quick we'll just be here for i'm impressed you know what (laughs) i'm i'm impressed the whole thing including the fact that you got a division opponent to trade a very viable good player to you in season yeah impresses me yeah, and I, I guess, you know, I've I've seen him play enough, and, like, I, I knew that he was a good tight end, but, like, just watching the way that he got open a couple times in that game, there is so much more meat on the bone with a better— this is the best quarterback he's played with since— I mean, he had Stafford for a year or two. But, God, this guy's going from Jared Goff and whatever they're trying to do offensively in Detroit, which they've scored some points this season— but this, I feel like Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins are going to be able to maximize TJ Hawkinson, and they did in that in that first game. So he's been huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, category number two, Justin Jefferson. We're just going to keep it simple. It's called Justin Jefferson, or maybe the maybe the category is is Justin Jefferson the best wide receiver in the NFL? And my executive summary for you is no. But he's close. He's definitely one of the three or four best receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyree Kill is hard to ignore this season. Some of it's scheme, uh, but he's also just incredible. So let's start with Jefferson. He's currently fourth in targets. He's fifth in catches. He's second in yards, and he's fifth in yards per route run. As far as guys that show up in those categories above him consistently, Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs for sure. And then Cooper Cup is showing up in a couple of these two ahead of Justin Jefferson. So I think right now I would say that just based on the numbers for this season, I would say Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, and I would put Justin Jefferson as like maybe fourth for this season. He's one I think he's Top one of the four best receivers. Yeah. Right. And then you could swap that fifth spot out for Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or I guess Devontae Adams is is having a decent season, but um, that's kind of what the landscape looks like among the top receivers right now. So there's two things about Jefferson that stand out right now to me. One is contested balls. He has to catch more of them. So, like, you're putting him top five, which is very, very possible. And yet there's an area where I think that, that we have definitively seen, and Jefferson's talked about this, there is room for growth, right? That's impressive. The other thing is I, he's had at least two 100-yard receiving games, including the Washington game, where it gets done, and I say, he had a decent day. Didn't catch some passes. He should have. He had a decent day. And then I look at the box score, and I see a guy that caught 100 and I think 15 yards of passes. Yeah. Um, and so the encouraging thing to me is – is I still expect more, and I think that there is more, and I think Jefferson and O'Connell expect more, uh, but yet the statistics and the performance is really damn good. So, like, so, that's that's the impressive thing. So I, I kind of figured that we would get into a contested catch discussion here. So I did look these numbers up before the show, too, for some context. Yep. That's right. 
I knew you were going to bring up contested catches. And it was necessary after Sunday. So a couple things on this, because, you know, we watch these games in a vacuum and then watch Red Zone and stuff. You don't get to watch, like, three hours of every game necessarily. So he has seven contested catches so far this season. He's been targeted on 14 contested attempts. So he's batting about 500 on those. How does that compare to the rest of the league? Well, uh, those seven contested catches are tied for 14th. Mike Williams has the most with 11. So there's not like a guy roaming out there with 20 contested catches. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. has 10. Cortland Sutton, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf all have nine. Uh, Michael Thomas, even though he's missed games, has eight contested catches along with T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Adams. So some some big bodies in there. Tyreek Hill has eight contested catches. And uh, a lot of these guys are like, like Cortland Sutton is nine for 24 on contested catches. So he's batting, you know, 37%. Jefferson's at 50%. Tyreek Hill has caught 62% of his contested catches. So I wouldn't say he's too far out of line. I agree. There's probably two or three in there specifically. It's not like there's 10 out there, but there's probably two or three. And so here's the other one that's interesting. Jefferson, when targeted, uh, there's been three interceptions on passes targeting Justin Jefferson this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Stefan Diggs, for instance, has zero interceptions when targeted this year. Now, Cooper Cup has four, and Tyreek Hill has two. So, again, the mar- we're not talking, oh, my God, he's been picked off seven times and Diggs has none. These are thin margins, but end of the first half against the Commanders. That's a 50-50 ball. Catching it is the goal. Not having it be intercepted is the second goal. And you had the worst-case scenario there. So. Yep. I would say there's there's not like a ton of room for contested catch improvement relative to his peers, but there's like two or three in the margins that have been big for them. And I would say the end of the first half against the commanders, and then I would say the I don't know if this was a contested catch, but it was an interception. The missed uh the wrong route run against Philadelphia. Yes. That resulted in a red zone interception. Yep. That that was another big one there. So there's like there's like two or three things that he can clean up here in the first half of the season. Let's go back to the pick on Sunday at, at the end of the uh, first half because I love that play. And, and O'Connell said Monday, I think. That was a great play because, I mean, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you want. So I think the growth there for Jefferson is this. That is either caught or broken up because he deflected it. It deflected off him. And I know that's go- that you can't, you can't say that can never happen. It's going to at times. But I guess the goal at the end of the day is that is either caught by Jefferson or batted down and that's it. Um, but that's the exact type of play that I don't want the Vikings to stray from because I think it's there. And and if you go back and watch the end of the first drive that the Vikings scored on with a touchdown pass, I think it was a nine-play drive to Jefferson, that was a contested play too, and that was a great play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the fact that Kirk is uh, is being told to and uh, and clearly is developing the faith of, okay, I got, I'm going to have to throw some passes that might be picked. Um I would like to see that ball, if nothing else, fall in, incomplete. The wrong route is just a screw-up. Like, that's that's not even a... Like, Jefferson, if, if he did that consistently, it's a huge problem, but I don't think he ever does. So, like, that to me is just a fluky play. Uh, it's unfortunate. But I love the fact that they, uh, that they had the trust in Jefferson and Kirk to try that, because I think it works. I think that that works. But, again, my grand point is this, Phil... Jefferson gets done with games, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he played well. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, hold on a second. You know, if nine out of ten players put up the stats he just did, I'd be like, that's the player of the game. Yep. Yeah, it's like we're talking margins here. You know, mm-hmm. if there's probably maybe the maybe just the two plays even that we mentioned. If, if he runs the right route against the Eagles and it's a touchdown – and then he runs the right, or he or he, he catches that pass against the Commanders. Or so now he's now he's got two extra touchdowns. He's got a little bit extra yardage. He's got, yep. Um, he, maybe he's elevated above Stefan Diggs or something in in some of these. But overall, he has been. They've they've utilized him. They've targeted him. He's one of the four best receivers in the NFL. Probably some room to go a little bit higher even. And he's and he's largely having an excellent season with a little room to to get better. Uh, we have two more categories, including 
an examination of the fourth quarter Pharaoh here, but let's shout out our friends over at Prize Picks who make it very easy to play daily fantasy. So with Prize Picks, uh, first of all, you can play multi-sport entries. So you can kind of mix and match NFL with college football or NBA with NFL. You pick between two and five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Uh, use the promo code NORTH, and A, you can help us because you're telling them, hey, I heard about you guys through uh, Purple Daily Score North. Promo code NORTH and Price Picks, uh, secondly, will match your first deposit up to $100. So check out the app or the website at pricepicks.com. Daily fantasy made easy. Uh, I'm not going to say weight loss made easy, but weight loss made possible. That's well put. That, that's well is what put. Olivia specializes in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. And and look, you know what? It's getting cold out. It's getting, I think the temptation is to stay at home and, you know, be on the couch. You're going to gain some weight. Well, that's no no fun. But what if I what if I offered you a solution to that problem? And it's not a diet. Livia Weight Control Centers. The wording is important because it's about weight control. It's about lifestyle change. And it is about dropping those excess pounds. And what better time than now to do exactly that? So by the time that football season is done or spring hits, you're down 20, 25, 40 pounds. Uh, Dawn's lost weight on this. I've lost weight. And we've talked to a ton of people in the uh, PD family, including on Sunday at the event, who have also joined and lost weight. And if you join right now, your first eight weeks are free. And with a new flex program, it's going to let you enjoy the foods that you love, fruit, pasta, and even bread. Inside or outside the state, this can be done. So if you're a a PD uh, viewer or listener in Florida or Tennessee or something, guess what? Virtual consultations are possible. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Weight loss is great. Now you can go work out. You feel fantastic. Find out today how you can start on the path to a healthier you. Livia.com. Yes. Uh, And a shout out to our friends at Federated Insurance who have been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. Uh, They are one of us, so to speak. And uh, Federated is all about helping maximize the success of your business through risk management tools and resources. You can find a full list of industries Federated specializes in over at federatedinsurance.com. And you can find out more about their rich history uh, that also goes beyond the state of Minnesota as well. You can find who who your marketing representative is in your local market at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. And, you know, it's funny. I uh, Yesterday, real quick, before we get back into the – uh, state of the offense category. So I was at the airport yesterday, and I'm I'm just kind of in search of a glass of red wine at the end of the day and some early dinner, late lunch. And I ran into a loyal listener who's been on Write That Down before, Dustin. And he was on a call, and we just kind of like I kind of was like I think that guy's been on our show before. I and and we tweet back and forth, and so him and I wound up just like uh, getting a drink and just talking Minnesota sports and whatever at the airport. Nice. And killing some time. And he said, I have now supported, I think he said, five of your sponsors. I have, He's like, uh, you know, this product, I've got Chill Boys on right now, uh, TCL TV, you know, Surly, whatever it is. And, you know, I think it's it's awesome when, not to just be like a shill here, but it's when we hear those stories, it is awesome because it means that, first of all, we aren't BSing you. Like, we literally... We yep. we do vetting processes and we and we build uh, great genuine relationships with these partners and stuff. But when we hear stories about you guys, the audience supporting our advertisers, it makes the world go around for us because mm-hmm. that's what keeps us doing this on a daily basis. So shout out to Dustin. Thanks. It was Dustin. fun uh, grabbing a couple beers, uh, and they had a, they had before I die on tap over at the the Ike's in the airport on the second level. Ooh, Ike's is a good place. It's amazing. I've always liked Ike's. And so, so he orders an Ike, or he orders a, a Before I Die, and the server, I asked the server, she says, she goes, oh, people love that beer. And I said, oh, is it is it selling pretty well? And she said, oh, it's just, it's, you know, people love it. They love the tap. They love the concept. She goes, do you know what the backstory of Before I Die beer is? <laughs> and you said, I had no idea. What? I was like, no, tell me. Tell me what it is. Sounds like a, an interesting, yeah, tell me, what do you, what do you think the backstory yeah, of Before yeah, I Die exactly. is? Exactly. 
So, anyhow, uh, okay, back to the categories here. The fourth quarter pharaoh is our next category. The dagger doctor. The late game luminary. Mm-hmm. So Kirk Cousins late in games is the, the discussion point here. He already has tied his career high in fourth quarter comebacks. He has he has four, which ties, I think it was like 2016 he had four in Washington. The most he had with the Vikings was last year with three. And then in the previous three years as Vikings quarterback, he had one, one, and one. Yep. So he's two away from tying all of the fourth quarter comebacks he had as Vikings quarterback in the first four years combined, and we still have more than half the season to go. Also, if you just zoom in to the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter, he has a better passer rating, and I get it, passer ratings, you know, it's kind of a small sample size, but he has a better passer rating by several points late in the fourth than he does overall. Yeah, I think his passer rating if you if you take everything up to the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter, is like 10 points lower than his pass rating in the final seven minutes of the fourth quarter. And we're talking very little garbage time. There's some quarterbacks on that list. I pulled up a list of, like, best statistics on stathead.com inside seven minutes of the fourth quarter. And Baker Mayfield has good stats inside seven minutes. Doesn't Not because they're grinding close games every week in Carolina. You know, there's a lot of garbage time in there. There's been virtually no garbage time for Kirk Cousins in, in that phase of the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, he has just, he has he has continued to elevate in these situations, and it is helping pull losses into Ws for the Vikings. And he actually gets uh, credit for an extra one last year, not fourth quarter, but OT against the uh, Panthers. So, like, he has basically led now eight late-game drives in the last two, two years after being what I think is is fair to say from 2018 to 2020 inept there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it started, it's interesting that it started last year, right? Cause like if it, if it was all this, this year, I mean, he's clearly more confident and he's clearly emboldened by O'Connell. It's interesting that it started last year as well when things weren't going as well. Uh, but he has been the thing that I love about this Kirk. And I mean, I didn't know, I didn't expect it, but the trust that's been put in him and his ability to take that and run with that has been so impressive. And, you know, don't sleep on the fact that that pass he threw to Jefferson, the deep shot where he got clobbered, absolutely clobbered, and he dropped it in the bucket perfectly. Um, That's the type of play that what was frustrating previously, Phil, is – First of all, that's the type of play that in his first few years here, he actually did make. It felt like it was more of a first half type of play, though, then. And we were like, okay, where's that late? He made that play late. It's a great pass. And I think that as you see this all sort of coming together, I, I mean, this is there. This is best case beyond what I expected. Like, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I figured that Mike being gone would help Kirk, but... Not like this. And just the confidence that Kirk has now and the way that he carries himself and the way that the entire team uh, openly now, and this is the important thing, because we could talk about how popular Kirk was privately, but it's important that that gets seen as well, right? Mm-hmm. And the, and Kirk's popularity and the fact that, that he is now, um, he's a quirky guy, but he's a guy that this team is clearly rallying around is just huge. And again, this gets into the non-statistical area of what you see, what you can feel from a team. And that is so different now. And Kirk Cousins is benefiting so much that it just makes a world of difference, I think, in the demeanor of the team itself. And that is an incredibly important starting point. Yep. What that game against Washington, that was such a classic Vikings loss waiting to happen. Yes. Where you go on the road against a team that you're favored against. It's a competitive team, but it's a team that you're better than. And you jump out early. Oh, this looks great. First drive, right? Just How many times have we seen it on the road? The scripted play, you go down, you get, you put three on the board or seven on the board right away. All right, good start on the road. And then you just go away for like an hour, hour and a half, and then you ne- yeah. and then they just never fully recover. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't like that this team goes away for chunks of time, but they have recovered time and time again. And the more I think about it, I said this on Monday for my – Hottest Vikings take. 
uh, the people t- took issue with. They don't think it was a take for me to say that it was my favorite Kirk Cousins performance in 70. 70- Whoa! Yeah. People think that I'm the one shorting the takes now on Mondays. I know. I mean, I just said that I should have said it was his best game. game in '73, but it wasn't his best game. It was, in your opinion, it was. But I, I get what you're saying. Statistically, it's not. It was. I don't. What, I don't know what the word would be. It was. It was okay. It was the most impressive game to me in '73 because conditions were imperfect and he rose above them. Yeah. I mean that play you're talking about. Alex Boone and I broke this down on the Trenches episode that posted early this morning. Mm-hmm. And there is, and he broke down kind of what the, uh, why there was pressure and what Washington was doing with their defensive front. You know, the, the Vikings had five wide. So there was, as you would say, 5-0, meaning uh, there's no, there's no running back here to help save the day on like a, like a free runner. There's no one in the backfield. Hold on a second here. You just said 5-0. 5-0, yep. Football. I'm learning some terms from Booney. No, I, yeah, I know, but whenever you drop them in, we got to have the sound. Like, know, you can't right. pull that out of the tricks bag. You it's pull that great. out of the bag, it's great. He asked me uh, off the microphones, he goes, you know, I had someone ask me, uh, you know, a football player friend of mine, does Mackie, uh, does he ask dumb questions because he's an idiot? Or And Boone's like, no, I think he's just, and by the way, a dumb question from a NFL yeah. offensive lineman can literally be like, what does that mean? <laughs> Well, yeah, and you're asking what guys should do sometimes because I yeah, am I'm too. I'm speaking but on the, behalf of fans who aren't in well, NFL huddles on a regular basis. And we don't, I, like, you know, I think that we get the sport, but, like, to insinuate that we get in interior offensive line play would yeah. be a complete lie. Correct, and that's why it's fun to have, oh, I don't know, a 10-year NFL veteran 100%. explain this on a regular basis. But yes. anyhow, uh, Ed Ingram got out over his skis again on that play. Lost leverage, if you will. Football. Okay. And a rusher came free, basically. I mean, there's a little resistance, but we looked at that play, and I said, you know what, Booney? Ingram may have gotten smoked, leading to Kirk Cousins having to wear a flak jacket for the rest of the year and missing a play, but he didn't hold. You know, he let. maybe he should have held so that Kirk didn't get demolished, but no. if he would have held on that play, boom, you pull a 50-yard reception back. But anyways... For Kirk to stand in there, you're down double digits in the fourth. You're on the road. They're mocking you. That defensive front is getting pressure on every other drop back. You're about to get smoked, and he just puts that ball right in stride for Justin Jefferson. Yep. I don't care what his stats were. That's the throw that you need on the road when the defense is, when we talk about rise above, rise above a bad offensive line, you're never going to be able to fully prevent those types of pressures. Even if you were to replace Ed Ingram with the modern-day Steve Hutchinson, that type of pressure is going to be there, Not maybe not all the time, but like it's going to be there five or eight times, and you're still going to have to dust yourself off and make a throw. And that's what he did on Sunday, and I just absolutely loved it. And th- think about this, too. So when you're talking about this year, all right, because this team has, after some scripted play success in certain games, disappeared offensively, all right? which a year ago was a death knell. It was an absolute death knell. Mm -hmm. But think about what that one series and that one pass did to erase the stench of so many drives before it. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's where football is. Football is a beautifully imperfect sport too. And so like great drive opens the game, nine plays, Jefferson touchdown. Here the Vikings go thud, Mm -hmm. boom. And so now the question is, okay, This is a problem. Probably should be fixed at some point in time here. But the reality is this. Can you, hours later, right, like two and a half hours after that Jefferson touchdown in real time, can you come back now and make a couple of plays? Because if you can, you can win. Yep. Like, think about that for a second. And and, and that's where... That's where this whole thing of, you know, statistical success. Well, look at Cousins' stats from 2021. You're 2019. You guys are crazy. Okay, but did he make the plays? I mean, we are talking about a guy who in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, at one point in Seattle, melted down and tried to throw backwards. With Thielen wide open. Okay? Contrast that with what we're seeing now. Yep. And I'll add this, too. So last year there was a couple games for sure 
where the D, you know, the, the Vikings offense goes down, they score, they take the lead, and then you know the Lions game, and then the defense gives up a drive back the other way to Jared Goff or whoever else, you know, did it. Well, Kevin O'Connell put a stop to that with his game strategy at the end there. That could have been a game-winning drive handed back to the commander's offense with a minute 50 left if the Vikings had, let's say, scored a touchdown at the four-yard line or whatever. You know, they had the ball with a minute 50. Commanders had no timeouts. Vikings could have just punched it in. Commanders would have let them. Yeah, And then you give the ball back, and now a game-winning drive gets turned back over to, okay, well, Taylor Heineke pulls a rabbit out of a hat. Maybe the official runs into Cam Bynum again or something. And the commanders tie the game or they score a touchdown and go for two and they win the game or something like those unlikely. But those doors would have been open if not for Kevin O'Connell saying, let's just milk this clock and make this the game winning drive period with 12 seconds left and leave them with basically no options. Mm -hmm. So don't sleep on Kevin O'Connell getting the assist for it being the game winning drive by not even putting his. It's not that you don't trust your defense. It's that you trust your defense more with 12 seconds 25-yard line, no timeouts, then you do minute 50, they've got more time to go down the field and take some shots. Um, all right, the fourth category here is called power runs. Football. Rooney loves power. When I say power runs, I am not talking about digestive problems. I'm talking about running the football. I knew what you meant. So uh, this is according to Football Outsiders. They define a power run situation... Mm-hmm. as being third or fourth down. So power runs basically meaning we're you know we're probably going to run. We are loading up the box. It's a short yarded situation. It doesn't have to be a loaded up. Like you can spread guys out, but it's basically third or fourth down and two yards or less to go or runs on first and goal or second and goal from the two-yard line or closer. So it's basically everyone involved kind of knows There's a good chance you're going to run the football here. Everything is kind of packed in. The Vikings are top five in the NFL at this. 77% success rate on power run situations this year. And let me guess, the guy who who co-hosts the trenches with you absolutely loves it because it shows confidence and it allows the the big O-linemen to lather up. They do. They like to lather up. I yes, know. we actually went over one of these plays from the Cardinals game on trenches early this morning. It was the Jalen Rager jet sweep motion, fake handoff, Irv Smith. I think yep. it was technically, I don't know if he was in motion before the snap. I don't think he was because Jalen Rager was in motion, but he, Irv Smith pulling from the right side of the line of scrimmage coming across. So now he's crossing faces with Jalen Rager just Guys running in all directions. Football. Oh, my God, what's happening? Oh, actually, it's just a handoff to Dalvin. Boom, touchdown. Right, but but your eyes are here, 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 right? Yes. So some of this is, it's called power because it's short yardage, line them up. But it's not necessarily, we're just going to straight up hand the ball off and overpower you. For the Vikings, it's been a lot of, we're going to run jet sweep motions. We may hand it to Rager, may hand it to Justin Jefferson. We may fake a handoff and throw a pass. We may... We may fake a handoff to the jet sweep guy, then fake another handoff to Dalvin, and then right. hit Johnny Munt for a touchdown in the end zone, right? I, I do believe you're talking about right now the illusion of complexity. Football. Yes, we are. And by the way, they were actually pretty good at this last year. They were like 10th in power run success, but now they are one of the five best teams at power run success, converting at a 77% rate. I I love the fact, though, that it's it's dressed up more now. I think that's fantastic. It's so much yeah. it's so much fun to watch an offensive coach who has like the mad scientist ideas. Yeah. Yep, and he's kind of he's laid this groundwork now after the first 2 months of how many different things have you seen happen from similar motions inside the 5-yard line or on yeah. short yardage. They've put four different receivers in motion. They've put a tight end in motion. They have faked handoffs to four different receivers and a running back so that a tight end can catch a pass. They'll run sometimes the jet sweeper will just keep running maybe a linebacker or maybe even it's a cornerback that's trailing him but now he's like 
sprinting as the ball is snapped to get to the pylon for a touchdown reception. It's like there's been like nine possible Or he's pitched things. the ball, which is really a pass, which which was that a happened, fa- yeah. far of love that. Far of love that play. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that they're doing now to keep. And the thing I like, too, is, and it, it's smart, they have now put so much on film that they they have probably become a, a pain in the ass to prepare for. Yes. Because now you got to be aware. And, and the red zone packages, you've got to be aware of. And, and I mean, you know, it probably starts with how, how do we stop 18? But get past that, and now it's the it's the complexity of the play d- designs. And I got to think, despite his success on Sunday, I got to think that Hawkinson's going to become a massive pain inside the twenty. Right? Like that guy has that guy has red zone uh, uh, star written all over him as far as potential possibilities because he's tough as hell. And the yak's a problem too because if you're at the I don't know, 18, and you complete a pass to the Hawk at the 7, you got a good chance to get in the end zone. He's averaging 7 yards of yak per catch I, this season. I'm going to tell you right now, the the yak by a tight end excites me beyond belief. Because, and, and, and here's why. Does it get why. you snug? It does, and here's why. Because because the Vikings have definitely had some some very good t- tight ends who, who could get yak. Rudolph, maybe at the start could, but I mean, if you recall, by the end, part of the problem was it wasn't that Kyle couldn't catch. He caught a lot of passes, but he basically wouldn't get yak. He would get tackled immediately. Like he didn't. Tripped tripped up by the hash mark. Exactly. No, sounds bad, but you're not kidding. But with the Hawk, watch him, man. He plants his foot and, and he is not going to necessarily pull away. So it's not like. Um, a guy tries to tackle him and now he's gone, but he plants his foot, makes the first move and gets yak. And he's probably going to, to get caught at some point, but let's just say that's 15 yards downfield. Okay. That's 15 more yards. So the yak here from a tight end really, really intrigues me, excites me. And I think could become absolutely key. Yep. It's been, uh, yeah, there's there's so many possibilities here too now with with TJ Hawkinson. So so there's your state of the offense categories. If you guys ever have questions or, or things you want us to dig into, just yeah, send us a message through the Scorner app, the feedback tab, or, or tweet me. It's always fun to. I like when people assign projects. Like, could you find this? I'm like, I don't know, but we'll we'll go on a we'll we'll pour a surly or a glass of red wine on a Wednesday night and see what we can come up with for these Thursday episodes. Uh, all right, I want to unveil a new segment with you here. It's called, Who Are the Vikings Going to Play in the Playoffs if the playoffs started today? Okay. I think we should do this weekly until the season is over here. And it's going to be presented by our friends over at Nutrisource, the official dog food, Judd and Purple Daily. Uh, So our dogs love the Nutrisource chicken and rice food. They love the training treats, Maya and Stella. And uh, they are all about that gut and digestion health that you really want and need for your dog. So you get those Tootsie Roll poops on a regular oh, that's basis, Judge. So important. And 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 you know, your dog is young and vibrant and Stell's is about twelve now, so she's getting up there a bit. But you know what? Since she started on the Nutrisource uh uh meals and treats. She is absolutely, she's acting like she's young again, running around, fe- feeling great. There she is uh, shortly after coming inside, I believe, uh, during the summer. And she uh, was was rewarded with her uh, training rewards treats. She loves them. But the point is, the dog loves the food. And most importantly for us, it also makes the dog healthy and happy. And that's where Nutrisource is the key to your dog's life. Amen. Okay, who would the Vikings play if the playoffs started today? Mm-hmm. So right now the Vikings are the two seed in the National Football Conference. They're just a game back of the Eagles, but really they're two back because of the head-to-head tiebreaker. They would play at US Bank Stadium on Super Wild Card Weekend. The San Francisco 49ers. Oh, Shanny Shanny V O'Connell. Mhm. Oh. Same coaching tree. Oh boy. Shanny. Oh, he'd be seeing his guy too, Kirk. This would be Probably the worst of all the teams that are kind of within striking distance of the seven seeds. So, for instance, the Falcons are a half game back of the seven. The Commanders are a half game back of the seven. The Broken Rams are a game back of the seven. 
the Giants and the Cowboys are two games clear. So until the Niners start winning more games, those are the kind of the team we're talking like Niners or Falcons or Commanders or Rams. Mm-hmm. The Niners are the worst possible draw, I think. Yeah. But I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to play the, well, maybe if the Falcons can just, I say bring any and every team on in the NFC. I want to see what the Vikings look like against the best. You're going to have to beat the best at some point if yeah. you want to win a Super Bowl. And you got them at home. So if if you can stay, if you can play them at, at home, yes, it uh, San Fran wouldn't be the ideal draw. But that's a big difference from traveling there. Big difference. Absolutely. So um, so that the Giants are, are the Giants a game behind the Vikings now? Yes, the Giants are six and two. I'll add another team in here too because the yeah. Buccaneers and the Falcons are tied record wise, but right now the Buccaneers have a head to head win tiebreaker. So the so the the Buccaneers are only a half game back of the seven seed if they were in that wild card slot. So you could if if this shakes out the right way or the wrong way, whatever, uh, you could face either the Niners. I think the Niners are going to wind up overtaking the Seahawks, so you could put the Seahawks in this category. Or there's a fairly decent chance you could face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers as a seven seed coming into U.S. Bank Stadium. Something to watch out for. I'm with you completely. Whoever you play, Bring them you play. Now, now, the thing that you can control is where the game is played. So, like, if you have to go, if you go into a slump and you have to travel, that's a problem. Uh, but yes, if you continue on the track that you're on and, and you get the second seed and you are home, guess what? I don't care who it is. In, in fact, you know what? The better the team, the better the test. Agreed. I'm totally with you here. I am, I am done. If this is, I don't think that Kevin O'Connell is trying to establish a culture that avoids teams. You can also, with these upcoming games against the Cowboys and the Giants, you can build some more cushion by beating those teams. Yep. And and the Eagles are going to be a tough one because you, you, you're effectively two games back of the Eagles. You're kind of at the mercy of they have to lose some games. Um, so you're the, the two seed is the realistic seed at this point, which means you will have to play on the first weekend. But the more home games you can play, that's fine. Yeah. the better the advantage. So. That should be the goal. So right now it'd be the San Francisco 49ers coming in. I wonder what the spread would be on that game. Vikings here, I think it'd be Vikings by three to three and a half. Don't you? Man, I Less? think the Niners are so much better than their record. We'll see where this let's see where the where the Niners kind of fall in a month from now. But what about what if the Niners overtake the Seahawks? To what extent would you look at the Seahawks as a as a, I mean, they're kind of for real at this point, they're right? They've got threat. good young players. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think that... So so I think the question becomes this. Probably, in fairness to the Seahawks, when is Geno going to have to return the slipper? <laughs> First round playoff game? Probably not. Yeah, no, it's so good. It's a viable... That That's... The majority of teams you gave me outside of, like, the Falcons are going to be tough but that's fine there's one buy now so like the days of get a top get a top two seed get a buy are gone um san francisco though would be fun too phil like it'd be shanahan against o'connell shanahan against his guy cousins there'd be a that would be a juicy storyline week it'd be fun i agree i'm here i'm here for it all so we'll uh we'll do this every week in which we look at the the playoff possibilities it's the Vikings barrel toward the postseason here. But the Buffalo Bills this weekend, we'll do a feedback Friday tomorrow, and we'll we'll continue to monitor the Josh Allen situation. Looks like he's probably not playing, and if he is playing, he's going to have a really limited arm. So Yeah, I it, it makes no sense. If, if there's yeah. any risk there, why would you do that? You are You are a Super Bowl contender big time with him. If he plays against the Vikings and it gets worse and now he's out for I don't know take your pick two months you're screwed yeah they're probably going to shut him down for for a little bit but you know the AFC there's like one game separating the top seven or eight seeds in the AFC right now so you can't afford to like rest him for a month and lose right no that's why I'd rest him now against a non a team outside my conference uh one thing before we go so in Kirk Cousins in his availability on Wednesday and I guess Wes Phillips, the OC, said the same thing today. 
both are lamenting the fact that that uh, players are now posting things from the airplane. Oh, really? So Kirk was saying, they, you know, because he's being asked about the chain because it's hilarious and the Kirko thing. Oh, no. And he's like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, didn't think that was going to be posted. I mean, we that used to be the rule. You didn't post things from the plane. I just want to say it was, it was Cam Dantzler, by the way. Doghouse okay. Dantzler. Well, and, and a ton of guys were filming it. I don't know the, the amount of guys outside of Dantzler that tried to post it. But anyway, here's my point. My point is this. Embrace it. Now, if... You have two guys who get in a fight post game on the plane. Yeah. That would be a problem, right? But Kirko, embrace it, man. Your image has how much has all of that stuff? You know, outside of the wins, outside of the fact that he's clearly playing with more confidence. But how much is getting that snippet uh, as fans getting a look at that changed our impression and altered an image of a guy who a lot of us thought was. Sort of just a, you know, boring guy. Um, embrace this one. It's great. It's fun. The Kirko stuff is fun. The no shirt stuff is fantastic. There is no downside. Again, if you were, like, if there was a screaming match and it got posted, totally get that. That's a problem. But embrace this. This has changed. Kirko, this has changed your image. Guys like us are like, oh, now we sort of is get it. Is he a little just kind of insecure about it because it's such a deviation from who yes. he has been? I don't think he wants to allow people in. But my point is, yeah. dude, no, this is great. Don't make it weird with the team now, too. Don't. Right. And I get I, I, I kind of agree with him that perfect world. Let's just keep this kind of a fun internal thing. Maybe maybe we can send a picture out to social media or something. I don't know that we need to live stream it on Instagram. Dantzler. Let's calm down on that. But I, I also it. agree with you, which is, well, it got out. It's not, it's certainly not like a, a fight happening or something. It's, it got out because it's, it's the joy of the Vikings spilling out into the public eye. Correct. Is what it is. So lean into it. Kirko chains. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is absolutely fantastic. And, and all of that stuff is incredibly important to why this team has won seven games. Yep. Amen. Yeah, don't make it weird now. Okay, don't make it weird. Yeah, those, that you are. Yeah, and, you are an icon in the. Take your shirt the... off again. Don't take your <laughs> pants off ever, but take your shirt off again. It's fun. Uh, all right, that is a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a, a damn Super Bowl before we die. We'll see you on a feedback Friday tomorrow. This is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. When Tyreek Hill signed with the Miami Dolphins, we all thought, "What the hell is he doing?" What made many scratch their heads even further was comments praising Tua's accuracy. In fact, people got tired of listening to Tyreek Hill. They would go as far as to just tell him to just shut up and focus on football. Well, the Miami Dolphins are 7-3. Tua Tagovailoa is near 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns with three interceptions. Not to mention the Dolphins now sit at the top of the AFC East. Well, they can hear you now, Tyreek. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget, BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf exists at BetOnline.net as well. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.